Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. Okay, our sacred story reading is coming from John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We'll have the light of life. We're starting a new series for this Lenten season called I Am. It's the I Am statements of Jesus. There are seven of them in the book of John, and we're going to be covering them the next seven Sundays, which will culminate with Easter Sunday, and nicely, one of the I am statements is, I am the resurrection. So, hey, it will work perfectly, hopefully. Um, The idea here is that we're reimagining Christ through this Lenten season, reimagining Christ. And in the same time, we're going to be reimagining ourselves, Um, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. As you all know, I talk way too much about movies because I'm a big movie fan, and I, I really appreciate those moments in movies where you have your main characters that are out in the middle of nowhere and they're trying to find a safe place to go, and they see that light off in the distance, and it's, you know, they're in the middle of the night, it's they're in the middle of the woods or they're traveling or whatever they're doing, and they just see that light and they happen to have hope, right, because light is a signifier of hope, and they start to gravitate towards that light. Now, we all know that there's different types of light, right? Especially in the movies, right? So if you're traveling along and you're looking for that hope, you're looking for that light, looking for that safe place, and all the lights are on and the front porch looks welcoming and inviting, you kind of get the sense that this might be a good place to go. But if you happen to be traveling along looking for that safe place to go, and there's like one dingy light bulb without a cover and it kind of flickers, you suddenly realize, I'm in a horror movie. And this is about to go really, really bad for me, right? And so we have to understand the light in order to move towards it and understand what the light is all about. The, uh, the art for this series uh, comes from a book called Stations of the Cross by Audrey Frank Anastasi. Um, so if you ever want to check out more of her artwork, um, she does all the Stations of the Cross, which we'll likely use some of her material for our Good Friday service. Um, And so we plan on doing that the Friday before Easter. And so um, her work in this book is where I found uh, this this, kind of beautiful uh, 
uh, work that she did. Um, and I, I contacted her a while back and asked her if I could use her artwork um, to highlight um, this, uh, the series that we were doing. And, and she, uh, she was really kind to say, to say yes. And so, um, as I mentioned, we're talking about I am the light of the world. This comes from John 8, 12, as I just read. And let me set up this whole series by talking about the book of John for a second. So if some of you love when I get nerdy and some of you tend to like zone out, it's fine, okay? So for the nerds out there, like buckle up for a second. So there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The book of Luke is actually a pretty expanded book. It's not just meant to be read alone. The book of Luke is actually Luke, and part two is the book of Acts, which comes after John. And so Luke-Acts is like a continuous story about the Jewish people and what happens after Christ resurrects and then ascends up into heaven. The book of Matthew is probably one of the most Jewish books we have. So if you have, if you're trying to think of like, man, how do I read the book of Matthew? You have to read it in light of the Torah. And the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You want to read it with this idea of Jesus being the new Moses, the new liberator. There's so much going on in the book of Matthew that highlights Jesus, the liberator. If you're trying to pick a book that's probably the quickest, easiest, and probably the most succinct, pick the book of Mark. If you want to understand the life of Jesus, pick the book of Mark. It's the shortest. He gets right to the point, doesn't even bother talking about when he was born. Um, He's just like, we're going to dive right in. But the main theme, one of the main themes of the book of Mark is Jesus the King. Jesus the King. Jesus the one who is meant to have this dynamic authority that helps us understand who we are. And the interesting thing is that if you read the book of Mark in contrast to the Caesars, it gets really cool. Because, and we could talk about this more at some point, but when Caesar was crowned, he would ride in on a war horse. And in, and in Mark, we have Jesus riding in on a donkey, right? A lowly donkey. When Caesar it becomes king, becomes Lord, Caesar would put on a crown, right? And what is Jesus given before he goes to the cross? A crown of thorns, right? And so there's all this imagery that we see Jesus going through in that last couple of days. And all of it is coronation language that you can tie it right into what they did with Caesar. And so ultimately, we are establishing this new way of being in the world, this new kingdom, which we've talked about being the new kingdom, right? And so it's this new way of understanding who we are and what authority looks like and what love looks like, because Jesus is not a king who says, you have to be this way or else. Instead, Jesus is more invitational and says, join me in reshaping all of this. And so the book of Mark is this really kind of compact story, but it's a really dynamic one. The book of John is unlike all three of those. The book of John is very theological. The book of John is very confusing. The book of John is very out of order compared to the rest of them. Uh, Some people that read the book of John, they get a few pages in and they're like, what in the world is going on? I mean, even the the very first verses of the book of John are really confusing because talking about this word, um, the word was with God and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. And it's just so confusing. Like, what are we talking about, John? I mean, John talks about the spirit moving and blowing and that we have to be in tune with the spirit that we're supposed to be born again and then you know the the disciples come along or the the pharisees they're like how do we get born again are we supposed to go up inside our mother's womb a second time and jesus i love that line because you can almost hear jesus looking at him like with like cross eyes being like are you serious like 
go up inside your mother's womb a second time? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would I say that? Why would I be that literal? Are you that? Anyway, but Jesus is like, no, I don't mean that. I'm implying his tone of voice there. I don't know if he would do that to people, but that's what I would do. It'd be like, no, like, come on, get on board here. So the book of John is a very confusing, very all over the place. Um, Honestly, for me, I was scared to preach out of the book of John for about 10 years because it was so theological and so different that I was nervous about messing it up. Uh, I think at that time in my life, I was in a framework of having to preach the right thing and not the wrong thing. And I was seeing things very black and very white, very right, very wrong, very binary. It was either this or that. I was either going to say the right thing or I was going to say the wrong thing. And because John is so theological, so complex, so mysterious in a way, I was very nervous and scared to say the wrong thing and lead people down a path that would be unhealthy. Fast forward after those 10 years, I met my friend Stephanie Spencer and my friend Lisa, who run this group called 40 Orchards, where they they do this thing called Midrash, which I've mentioned a few times here, where you sit with scripture and you dance with it and you ask questions of it and you kind of let it speak and you kind of poke at it and you say, well, what if? And and maybe this means this, but maybe it means this to you. And what does this mean? And you kind of just hold it, not loosely as if it doesn't matter, but you hold it the way a rabbi would which is to say, like, let's talk about this. It's meant to be discussed. And when I first started doing that with them and started kind of dancing with the scriptures and asking questions of it and wrestling with it, it suddenly opened me up to the book of John again because I was like, oh, I can can dance with this. I don't have to be right all the time. I can just enter in and be in conversation with it. I can kind of flow with it. I can kind of poke at it. I can kind of ask questions of it. I can doubt it a little bit. I can ask people to do that with me. And so this series is not meant to be one, and I hope I never do this, but I hope, what I hope is that it's an opportunity for us to talk. And so I'm going to do the primary talking, but if you have questions or different insights or ideas, I would love to grab coffee or to continue the conversation because my thoughts on this are just that. They're my thoughts on what John is up to. I'm not John and I'm not Jesus. And so I don't exactly know what John meant by all the words that he was writing down in this book. But what we can do is dance a little bit, wonder a little bit, try to get mysterious a little bit, and we can hopefully use all of that wondering, mystery, dancing to move us more and more towards Christ. And I say that very intentionally, the word Christ and not simply Jesus. Because of all the Gospels, this one's most focused on the idea of Christ. And now for most of us, we've always heard or we've grown up with Jesus Christ. That's like Jesus' full name, Jesus Christ. It's like Christ is Jesus' last name. It's not his last name. Christ is is an idea. Christ is a label. It's a title given to Jesus. It's something that goes back much further than Jesus. It means the anointed one. So Jesus was the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, the Reconciler, the Redeemer, the one who's moving things towards completion, the Alpha and the Omega. Like Jesus is not simply Christ, as if that's the last name, but Jesus is representative of this larger truth going on throughout all of Scripture. The book of Hebrews calls Jesus the fullness of God in human form. 
So yes, Jesus is God. Yes, Jesus is part of the Trinity. But because Jesus is the Christ, and the Christ is this more dynamic thing than simply a human that lived a few thousand years ago. The Christ is something that's always been happening in creation. The Christ has always been moving humanity, moving creation towards God. The Christ is the ever-present movement of God in flesh, in blood, in creation, in the material world, moving all of it towards reconciliation and wholeness. Now, if I just got super confusing for any of you, that's the invitation to coffee, right? That's the invitation to dive deeper. If you're like, what are you talking about? The Christ is in all, all things and moving us all things towards God. Like, I don't get that. That's okay. Here's what I'm trying to say by that. We are all created beings made of dust, and to dust we shall return. And in that dust, God has breathed into that dust life. God has poured out God's energy, God's love, God's justice, God's hope, and put it into the dust and said, let's make this beautiful. But it also is going to have the capability of being destructive. And so, through our effort, our will, our calling, our vocation, through our relationships, through our choices, we get to move towards that reconciliation and renewal. We get to move towards being the fullness of Christ. John Wesley, Methodist, right? I don't talk about Wesley enough probably at a Methodist church, but you all are really forgiving, so, um, or you just don't care. I don't know which one. Um, John Wesley talked about that final area of spiritual formation being a move towards perfection, right? That's moving towards Christ-likeness. And the book of John is all about moving us towards Christ-likeness. And so these seven statements, I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, I am the door, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd, um, I am the resurrection, all of these statements that we're going to see Jesus making help us understand Jesus better, help us understand what the Christ is, and here's the, the best part, helps us understand who we're called to be, okay? That's always the movement that I want us to have as we talk about each of these statements, is not only what does it teach me about Jesus, what does it teach me about God, but what does it teach me about who I need to be in the world? And so with that, I'm going to give a quick little bit about light, because we're going to get to the imposition of ashes and more singing and all that other good stuff. But I want to make two comments about this idea of light. Light creates a focal point. Light creates a focal point. Just like in that movie idea I talked about, when you're lost in the woods or you're lost in the wilderness and you are trying to find your way back, you are looking for that focal point to go to. The reason why I love this idea of being lost in the wilderness as an example of it is because scholars believe that this is exactly the reference Jesus was drawing upon, that he gave this idea, this I am the light, while standing in the temple at the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles would have been a reminder to them of their time in the wilderness when they had left Egypt, left slavery, and they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness waiting to get into the promised land, and the tabernacle was moving with them. God's light 
went before them in a, in, a, in a pillar of light at night and in a cloud by day. God's light was leading the people for 40 years through the wilderness and the tabernacle followed them as they went. And so Jesus at the Feast of Tabernacles is talking about, I am the light. So what is Jesus saying? I am the one to follow. I am the focal point that you are to move towards. So when you see me over there, go that way. And Jesus is saying this as everyone in his, in, his, in his world is questioning him. He's got a handful of disciples who are dedicated, but every religious leader in the area is saying, this is a false prophet. This is blasphemy. This is the one that we should do something about. We need to arrest this guy. And Jesus in that moment says, I'm actually the light. I'm gravitating in the right direction. When you see me touching lepers and healing people, you need to gravitate that way. When you see me talking about the poor and helping them and having a system of justice, you need to gravitate that way. When you see me having dinner with prostitutes and other people that you consider to be sinners with these tax collectors that are exploiting you, when you see me trying to redeem that and trying to bring life and love to that, that, that world, you need to gravitate that way. You need to see where I'm at and move in that direction. So Christ is our focal point, and it's where we are headed. So Jesus is getting at that idea of being led in the direction of love and justice. The second thing that light does is that it illuminates the unseen. Light illuminates what is unseen. Does anyone have anybody in your, do any of you have anyone in your life that you would consider someone who points out your blind spots? Anyone have someone in there? In your, yeah, some of you are looking at the person next to you. <laughs> I hope they look back and give you that mm-hmm. Um, if my wife was standing next to me, she'd be like doing the side eyes like, yeah, I'm your person for that. And I'd be like, who's your person? She'd be like, I don't need one. No, she wouldn't. <laughs> My wife is that person. She is the blind spot pointer outer in my life. She can always name when I'm not seeing something. I'll be honest, sometimes my kids are the ones who illuminate what is unseeing. Every once in a while, I'll be like, why do you do that to your brother? And then my oldest one will look at me and be like, because you do it to me. And then I'm like, no, I don't. I don't ever do. And then I'm like, oh, I'm doing it now. Like, got it. I'm yelling a lot. You're yelling at your brother. I'm yelling at you. This is just trickling down. I get it. You are, by, by naming this, you are illuminating what I cannot presently see. Light illuminates what we can't see. If we're in a dark room, what do we normally do when we're trying to walk through it? Bump into stuff, right? What is the most frustrating thing to step on in the middle of the night when you're walking across your, your, your room? Legos. Legos is the answer, right? What else is it? The cat. Yes, that would be a bad one. They have claws, right? And you just feel guilty. I, I think I one time stepped on my dog's head. It was sitting right next to the bed and I stepped down. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, he was just like, Burr. you know, he didn't even care. He's like, it's a head. Who cares? Um, but anyway, we all know that walking through the house in the middle of the night is really difficult if we don't have any light. So light illuminates the unseen. In our lives, there are areas of our life that we know we need to do something about, or maybe we don't, and the light allows us to see those things. And so here's the point with both of these. We need to become, as John helped us sing about, we need to become the light. In the book of Matthew, Jesus not only says, I am the light of the world, but he says, you are the light of the world. So we need to become not the focal point. We don't become God. We don't become Jesus, but we need to be, become 
a focal point for people. We need to be a place where someone looks at us and says, that's a North Star for me. I want to head in that direction. And sometimes when they catch up to us and they're doing that thing with us, we might be like, you know, I appreciate that you really love what I'm up to and you want to do this thing with me or you want to head in the same direction, but I think you're actually called to follow that person, right? Like you may want to do this thing, but actually you need to be more like Tom, right? You need to be more like this person. I would actually gravitate in that direction. We need to be a focal point so that we can help others find their calling, find their place to move in a direction that brings about life and love and justice. So is your life, here's the challenging question, is your life one where others would look to it and say, that person's a focal point for me? Another way of saying this is, what's on the horizon for you? That, that, that sunlight in the horizon that shows where it is, are you moving in that horizon or towards that horizon? And here's, who's on the horizon for you? And are you on anyone else's horizon? Is anyone moving in that direction? I'll be honest, in the time that I've had with you, there's a number of you that, man, when I get to talking to you and I get to hear about your life and what you're up to, I'm like, man, there's a focal point. If I could be a little bit more like that person, if I could have a little bit more of that type of generosity, if I could have a little bit more of that type of, of, of service, of that energy towards giving, if I could be that type of person, that would be so beautiful to move towards that type of person. So are you a focal point for others? And then are you someone who illuminates the unseen in a loving way? Let's be really cautious here because sometimes lights are floodlights. And what do floodlights do when you look right in the middle of it? You go blind. They're blinding. Some of us want to illuminate the unseen by being a floodlight. That is really unhelpful. On Friday night, we had the Moundsview Choir did an open mic night in here, and we had the two spotlights out, and I was trying to fix one of them because I, it was like I couldn't get it to turn on right. And I went and I looked right in the middle and we flipped something and boom, the spotlight hit me right in the face. And I was like, oh, I tried to walk across the room and it was like walking in a dark room except for there were spots everywhere because I was blinded for a little while because I looked right in a spotlight. Don't be a spotlight to someone's life. Brene Brown talks about being twinkle lights, lights that illuminate, but illuminate with presence illuminate enough so that someone could see the next step. How can you illuminate the unseen without being a floodlight, but being like those twinkle lights that allow someone to see the next step? One of my best friends that I worked with at Bethel, he was such a gracious illuminator of the unseen for me because he would, he would so calmly and, 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 and very lovingly name some of the hardest stuff that I was going through, the areas of my life that I was struggling with. You'd be like, hey, Jason, I just, maybe this isn't what's happening, but I've noticed over the last couple of weeks that you seem to have a, a tone whenever this subject gets brought up. Just kind of curious if there's anything there that you want to talk about. And I'd be like, you know what you could have said is, hey, Stefan Hagen, you're a jerk. Get over this. But instead, he's so carefully and lovingly invited me in to this conversation that actually allowed me to look at it and to say, you know what? I can't see that clearly. Thank you. Thank you for bringing some light to that so that I can now move in a different direction. So we have to be people that illuminate the unseen, but do it in a way that is inviting, 
thoughtful, meaningful, so that people can actually start to move in a healthy direction. This whole series, as I mentioned, is all about focusing on the Christ, understanding who Christ is, and then helping us understand how we can also move towards being more and more Christ-like. And it ends, this series, like I said, is going to end with the idea of resurrection. But the only way we get to resurrection is by going through the death first. And that's what Ash Wednesday and this Lenten season invites us into. And so I want to read for you um, something that was written by, um, it's adapted from Marcus Borg um, in a book called uh, Taking Jesus Seriously. Um, And so I have a few prompts as we go, uh, but I just want you to kind of listen to this as I think it really shapes and frames both Ash Wednesday um, and the Lenten journey um, for us in this season. The season of the church calendar is about mortality and transformation. We begin the season of Lent on Ash Wednesday with the sign of the cross smeared on our foreheads with ashes as the words are spoken over us. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you will return. We begin the season of Lent not only reminded of our death, but also marked for death. The Lenten journey with its climax in Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter is about participating in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Put somewhat abstractly, this means dying to an old identity, the identity conferred by culture, by tradition, by parents perhaps, and being born into a new identity, an identity centered in the Spirit of God. It means dying to an old way of being and being born into a new way of being, a way of being centered once again in God. In light of our sermon today and our series, you could say in Christ. That centering in God can come through fasting, prayer, and generosity. First of all, with fasting, whether from meals or habits or activity, is to prayerfully and sacrificially give up something which you will miss and that you want so that God can show you what you really need. So maybe some of you will choose to fast something during these 40 days. And if you are curious to learn more about fasting, please come talk to me about it. Secondly, prayer accompanies fasting as a necessary catalyst for our spiritual formation. Prayer alongside fasting creates space for God to move, both the ability to speak to God and to listen to God. And then finally, generosity is a third mark of the Lenten journey. Scripture calls us to cheerful giving. The discipline of generosity during Lent is active participation in the sacrificial death of Christ. Again, dying to an old way of being and being born into a new way of being, a way of being centered once again in God. Put slightly differently, this path of death and resurrection, of radical centering in God, may mean for some of us that we need to die to specific things in our lives, perhaps to a behavior or a pattern of behavior that has become destructive or dysfunctional, perhaps to a relationship that has ended or gone bad, perhaps to an unresolved grief that needs to be released, perhaps to a career or job that has either been taken from us or that no longer nourishes us, or perhaps even we need to die to the deadness that we feel in our lives. You can even even die to deadness. And this dying is also oftentimes a daily rhythm in our lives. That daily occurrence that happens to some of us as we remind ourselves of the reality of God in our relationship to God. That reminder that can take us out of ourselves, lift lift us up out of confinement, take away our feeling of being burdened and weighed down. 
That's the focal point, the first focal point of a life that takes Jesus seriously. That radical centering in the Spirit of God that is at the very center of the Christian life. As we participate in Lent, let us all reflect on this. How can you rejoice fully in Christ's resurrection when you've avoided participating in Christ's death? Yes, Lord, we have to die with you, through you, and in you, and thus ready to recognize you when you appear to us in your resurrection. Let me pray. God, I love the idea of the resurrection. I love the idea of things being made new. And I find it hard to imagine what dying can be like. I find it hard to imagine giving things up. I find it hard to imagine and understand what you're getting at. But God, I know you call us to explore this. And so in this season, God, may we all explore what it means to die to ourselves and to move towards being like Christ. And may the power of Christ, that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, may that power and that spirit be found in us as we go on this journey. In the power and the name of Christ we pray. Amen. The announcements are a little specific today. In the fall, we started a community growth campaign to raise money for different things around the church. And I wanted to give you a quick update as to where we are at with that project, because our hope is to wrap up that project this spring so we can have that all wrapped up and be ready to move forward. So here's where we're at. Our goal was to raise $70,550, and currently we are at either given or already pledged $48,943. And so as you can see, we are getting closer and closer to our goal of 70000 Let me give you a few more details just to break it down a little bit really quick. So the goals were this. Fellowship Hall Carpet, 11300 We had a specific gift given for the Fellowship Hall Carpet of $5,000. And then we used some of the, at the bottom there, undesignated gift money to complete that project. And so as you can see in the Fellowship Hall, we've done that project. We've completed it. The new carpet is in. It looks amazing. Smells great. Uh, it's just a really nice, nice addition to that space. So if you wanted to still give to that project, you still can, even though it's already there. If that was something you wanted to give to, we would then, yeah, shuffle the money around to put it somewhere else. The south side doors are the doors right here and the ones by the office. And we want to replace those because they have been there since the beginning of the building. And they're not really that reliable, both from a security and a heating and cooling standpoint. And so in order to have better uh, use of the building um, and safer use of the building. We're getting new south side doors. As you can see, the money for those has already been raised uh, specifically. We are raising money for a parking lot resurfacing. Uh, the goal is to, uh, we have a few different options. Uh, the main one is that, that long section on the side, on the south side of the building, where it's the roughest. We want to replace that and then potentially kind of resurface this area over here in the front of the building. Those are the two main areas that we're really focused on. The reason why there's an asterisk next to this is that we are still in conversation with trustees and with other and with the companies about how much this will cost. And so although our goal was $15,000 and we've met that with a very generous gift, um, a couple of gifts, 
Um, that may need to actually go up depending on the ultimate uh, cost of the resurfacing that we go with with the company. So that's why there's a little asterisk there. It's kind of like a to be continued uh, note. The monument sign I want to talk about in a minute. Um, painting, we are hoping to paint, uh, finish painting in this room. Um, as you can see up in the corner, there's a couple different shades of, of white and off-white. And so we want to potentially paint in here, paint in the fellowship hall. Some we'll have to hire out to do the entirety of the work. Some we ha have some volunteers to do some of the work. And so painting is, is something that we have on our list. And then finally, future furnace replacement. We have seven furnaces in this space. Um, some of them have been replaced recently. Some of them are getting a little bit older. And so we don't need a new furnace tomorrow. That's not, it's not an emergency. We're not a call to action this morning, but we just recognize that that could be something that goes out and we'll want to be able to not uh, panic. And so we just want to have some money set aside for future furnace replacement. So as you can see from all of this, with the, what's been raised for specific projects and undesignated gifts, we are about $21,600 away from meeting our goal with a little asterisk next to it because the parking lot, we're still working on what the actual cost of that will be. So just wanted to give you an update on where this is at. And let me talk about the monument sign for a minute. The monument sign is to replace that wooden sign that has the vinyl uh, sign on it out front. We want to get a really nice uh, sign, possibly one that has a digital board on it that could have information that can get updated as we have events. So if it's Wednesday and we have uh, yoga going on, we want to be able to put what time yoga is happening. If we know that the Montessori school is trying to uh, up their enrollment or get enrollment, we want to be able to highlight that. If we have a Bible study going on, we want to highlight that. And so we want to be able to do things more on a week-to-week, day-to-day basis, and having a digital component will be really helpful. If you want to like an idea of what that could look like, think about Incarnation Lutheran sign just down the road. And here's kind of what we've put together as a potential sign for us. And so you can see where it says digital display. That's just where the digital kind of scrolling um, will be uh, in, on the sign. Really simple, has our name, has our time that we have services. And the big thing is we really want to point people to the website so that they know, get to know more about us. And so here's a... Here's a neat little picture with grass underneath it. Yes. My handiwork on Canva is amazing. I know you're all super impressed. Okay. So those are the updates. Um, we are hoping, like I said, to kind of finalize or finish the journey of this campaign um, in the next couple of months. We'd love to wrap it up. So if there's a project that caught your attention, whether it's helping us with the carpet, even though it's already in, we could still raise money to help finish paying for that. If it's the, if it's the parking lot, if it's the new digital sign that we want to have, any of those projects that you see as, man, that's something that I could really see participating in. Um, if you're like, I'm just happy to help in any way I can, you don't have to designate to a specific project. You can, you can just donate money for that and, and we'll put it to good use for one of these projects. Um, if you have questions about these projects or about the capital, the community growth campaign, please feel free to talk to me afterwards. Talk to a member of the steering committee or trustees. We'd all be happy to talk to you a little bit about how this came about and everything. May you go in the power of Christ. May you go knowing that Christ illuminates the path before you. May Christ be your focal point. May it be the North Star. May it be your horizon. May you move towards Christ.
And may Christ illuminate the things that are unseen, the areas of your life that need attention, that need to be transformed. And may this Lenten season be that transformation time for you. And then may you be a focal point. May you be an illuminator of the unseen for those in your life. May you be the twinkle lights that people need to illuminate their path. May you go in Christ. May you go in peace. Amen. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.